This week on Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. There are lies, damn lies, and then there are statistics. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Um, we've got a pretty loaded episode here. Uh, Kyle, you, you brought some awesome data for us to talk about a little bit, and I think that we're uh, going to have an interview with the second place uh, winner at LVO, Joe DePinto, later on in the cast. Uh, Kyle, Dave, how are you guys doing today? Good. Doing amazing, man. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, let's jump right into it. Kyle, what, what sort of data did you, you got for us? Uh, so before I get dive straight into that, I do want to just like acknowledge that uh, Pathfinder's spoiler came out today, and we're not going to talk about it because uh, we have so much other stuff to talk about. <laughs> um, but we do have, uh, we are going to at some point do like a Jin Pathfinder's Infiltrate episode all by itself, because that is a topic that is worthy of an entire episode. So um, that will happen in between now and Adepticon at some point, but not today. Um, so I collected a bunch of data. Uh, LVO, uh, we have match slips for 125 games, which is a lot of games. Um, I also got all the 62 lists. Um, and essentially, I loaded all of that data into a spreadsheet, and then I like indexed the lists versus the the uh, the report slips to tell me a bunch of different things, but including like how different types of lists did, you know, and win loss record um, on specific in general and on specific objectives. Um, let me just talk real briefly about like the kind of data that's on these match report slips. Um, it's got uh, blue player, red player, the factions of each who won, obviously, um, objective deployment and condition that were chosen, the turn number, um, and then the final score. Um, so there's a lot of interesting tidbits on there. This is these are very similar to the match slips that were used for Invader League. Um, so if you saw any of the data analysis for that, it's going to be somewhat similar. Although this time we now have all the lists, so that adds like a you know four dimensional component to this. If you're a rebel officer, you sure know a lot about Seth Alchemy, sir. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he's now playing four D chess, and jeez. It's getting, uh, getting crazy up in here. It's getting pretty crazy. I wouldn't make it to be good. Yeah, uh, so I'm on the sheet here. It, so we have a, a turn counter here. A number yes. of turns played. Yeah, so let's talk about that first. Um, so one of the things that uh, we collected was how many turns did you finish? Um, unfortunately, some people left this blank for some reason. Um, hopefully not because they were rushed, but... Uh, of the 125 games, there were 34 blank slips. Um, so unfortunately, we just don't have data for those games. I don't know whether or not that means that they made it to turn six, so they didn't feel like they should put that in there, or whether they you know, just didn't bother to fill out that field. I don't know. Anyway, it's unfortunate. But we also have, um, what is that, 95 games uh, for which we have you know, somebody filled in the turns played column. So um, there were no no games where someone filled out a slip that were two turns or less. There were 13 that were three turns, uh, 37 four turns, five turns was 19, and six turns was 22. So most games were four turns. Or less, um, I guess. Four, no, well, yeah. or longer. Right. Or four, uh, yeah, four, four turns or longer. Sure, sure. Yeah, so like, you know, there were... Um, 50 games that were three or four turns, and then there were 40 
43 games that were five or six turns. So actually, most games were four turns or less. Yeah. See, that's what I said. You guys are like trying to correct oh, me and stuff, okay. and I'm like backtracking. Oops, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like people weren't finishing games. That was a re- both a real time um, bit of feedback, and also like in the survey afterwards, p- players felt they didn't have enough time, which unfortunately was something I think that we somewhat anticipated. Um, two hours is notionally like if you have two players that are that are fast and experienced and know what they're doing and are both committed to playing fast then I think you can definitely finish games in, in two hours. But we talked about this a little bit last time. Um, like, there is very little margin for error in that in that kind of a schedule. And if you get one turn that just slows down a little bit, you know, you're not going to make it to six turns. So, um, I would be interested to see how many of these um, turns the game ended uh, due to time or due to concession. Um I know that we didn't track that explicitly, but that would be interesting. Yeah, and actually that's um, uh, a good note for the Adepticon slips. Is we, we should put a, you know, were you tabled or or was there a concession, um, like, check checkbox on there. Because if, you know, if it's a four-turn game that, you know, where one player was tabled in four turns, then obviously that's still a game that reached its conclusion, even though it was only four turns long. So, yeah. That's that's a very um, different story than our right. game ended on turn four. Right, exactly. Um, and I, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of the the game was meant to be six turns philosophy. Um, I feel like you know games that don't reach that point, you always have someone with bad feelings. Like I could have won, you know, if if we'd finished. Um, in my opinion, you you never want that to be like a feeling uh, from a tournament, but it's an unfortunate reality of the fact that there is a time um, compression and that, you know, at least as far as the current tourney regs are concerned, you know, it's the, the structure is four games or five games in one day. So um, the round times are a little bit longer for Adepticon. Uh, we'll see whether that makes a difference or not, but. I yeah. think it would. Um, there are definitely quite a number of situations that at least in, in my experience where, yeah, I mean, even an extra 10 minutes would have made a, a very significant difference on the, on the outcome of the game. And there were at least a couple of games that, that I had or from my, you know, anecdotally, I heard that people were sort of like on the last shot of their activation when the 15 minutes came up to terminate the round. And uh, then they couldn't play those last 15 out. So it's, you know, obviously time limits have to exist because we can't, you know, be there until two in the morning. <laughs> That's just not feasible. Um but yeah, you know, like like you say, it always feels bad when you don't finish. Yeah, I I think I'd personally like to see like the hard dice down thing kind of just go away. Um, I I understand why it's a thing presently, but um, I think if you start a turn, you need to finish it. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, um, I think Jay was talking about on on his cast last week, like there was a game you know, where he was like literally about to kill uh, the opposing commander with Veers, you know, and he picked up his dice to roll them and it was hard dice down. And like, that was it, you know? So yeah, I completely agree. Like having to stop in the middle of a turn is weird and awkward. Yeah. Um, And it like, 
I don't know. There's just like too many things that are up in the air. Like your, your opponent, I mean, not that people would intentionally do this, but like, you know, you take two seconds here, two seconds there shouldn't matter. And when we kind of get into that realm of things, it kind of gets wonky. Um, and I, I know that there's like a need to keep things on schedule, um, but we'll we'll see if the increased round times make a difference for Adepticon. Uh, and each of those are only four rounds, not five. So, um, you know, yeah, it should be a little easier. Be less compressed be. by a good bit. Yeah, yeah the, the 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 game times themselves are longer, and then there's also slightly more time in between the rounds. So, um, that's all I got for games played or i'm sorry uh turn length yep. on games played Let's talk about these lists man all right so um there's a great quote from mark twain that i love uh it is uh there are lies damn lies and then there are statistics there it is so <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna talk some statistics uh i so i took all the lists and i i basically like sorted out their you know each individual player and lists win loss records um, and there are some interesting nuggets from that. There are uh, an infinite number of nuggets that you could glean from that, probably. Um, we're just going to hit some high-level ones. The first one I want to talk about um, is an unfortunate reality that I've been grappling with just in my own personal experience, anecdotally. So, uh, Rebel Lists with Luke Skywalker uh, went 39 wins, 25 losses. So, obviously, that's pretty good. Um, Rebel lists without Mr. Skywalker, twenty-one and thirty-two. So that's like substantially worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's what it's essentially sixty-six percent win ratio with Luke and a forty percent win ratio without him. Yeah, that's basically it's essentially like inverted. Um, and like this tracks my personal experience with. You know, I'm way more consistent and successful with any list that has Luke in it than any other Rebel list. Um, you know, I think obviously he's very good. Uh, I personally think he should probably cost like 180 points. But if you did that, I don't know what happens to like Rebels, you know, success rates as a whole. Because right now they're tracking pretty close to, you know, like in cross faction matchups, it's it's pretty even. Is it? Um, uh, actually, so it was for LVO. Interesting. Um, it was almost perfectly split. I, I actually, hang on, I'm sure I can bring this up. I was just, I was looking at like, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but it seems like it really depends on, like, the objective you're playing. Um. Yeah. Totally. Um. Let me get the stat for you because I think it was like almost perfectly split. Um. Now that said, there are a number of. And I'll get more into this in the article. I feel like I feel like the rebel lists generally were more like meta, so to speak. Sure. Um, there were more Luke lists, and the Luke lists did better than the not Luke lists. Um, whereas Empire had a little bit more variety. There was a lot of years Bubba for sure, but there was a lot of people playing Vader and stuff like that too. So honestly, uh, that was one of the most surprising things I I found about the tournament. I, I feel like rebels overall lend themselves to a little bit more variety just because they have a lot more character flexibility i feel like just in like you can take luke and han or you could take luke and leia or you could take luke and chewy um but you really can't do that so much as empire like if you're taking vader you're just taking vader for the most part if you're taking palpatine it's just palpatine 
Um, it, right. it was weird to see so much, so many different imperialists, and and not a, the same amount of variety in the rebel stuff overall. Yeah. So let me just um, hit it real quick. So, um, actually, I, I take that back. There there was more variety uh, in the rebel list. So there were fifteen lists that had Luke in them. So a little bit over half. Um, twenty lists that had Leia. Most of those were with Luke, and then twelve lists that had Han as a commander. Um, and some of those were also with Luke. And 11 lists with Chewie. Hmm. So um, with the Empire, there were 22 lists out of 34 with Veers, 9 with Vader, and 2 with Palpatine. Okay, yeah. That sounds a little bit more like what I thought it would look like. Yeah. Now that said, like, you know, Veers lists can be very different from each other. You got the sort of standard Veers Bubba. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got, you know, like Veers Gunline. Um, you've got like a Veers Vehicle list. So I didn't see anybody play like Veers Vader. Um, I think that's 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 just a Mad Kish thing. Uh, I almost played it. <laughs> yeah, you almost did. We we played a game where you played Veers Vader. Uh, what like a, a week or two before LVO, and you kicked my butt. I did. I but I don't know. I, I, that was mostly because you deployed. I think wrong. Yeah, I yeah I, I made a, a, a crucial deployment mistake. Um, but. Uh, anyway, so actually, the yeah, the the rebel list did have a little bit more variety, but um, the the Luke the Luke list did like substantially better than those that didn't have Luke in it. Um, there's also a an Empire version of that stat. Uh, Vader lists went fifteen and twenty. Nah. Uh, <laughs> not surprising to me. Yeah, not surprising at all. Unfortunately, unfortunate, but not surprising. Yeah, his um, master, though. Yeah, so there were only two Palpatine players, and they collectively went eight and one. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of those players was um, Mr. Depinto, who we're going to talk to in a bit. So, and he went five and zero. Oh, so, uh, the other one was Austin Catling. So, props to Austin Catling. He went three and one. Yeah. Um, so they both did extremely well then, is, yep. which is what you're saying. I was utterly shocked that there were a grand total of two Palpatine players. Likewise, I expected him to be nigh everywhere, and I guess uh, Vader just is more popular. Yeah, this is like actual opposite of nigh everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nigh nowhere. <laughs> he was he two was, out of sixty-two. <laughs> Palpatine was less common than Sabs, if that tells you anything. Whoa! <laughs> now that's uncommon. I think you might even be able to say he was just as common as airspeeders. Uh, that's and that's one hundred percent accurate. There were two lists wow. of speeders. So. <laughs> is it? Do Do you figure people? This is a tangent. Do you figure people just have a problem with him, like just getting him in there, or maybe they just wanted to play Vader? Maybe Veer's Boba is just more flexible. Like, what do you he's think? He's just hard to play. I think he is hard. I, to play, he's, yeah. I think he's really good when you play him right, but I don't think he's been out enough. Maybe for people to feel comfortable with them like i've played a lot of games with pelp um i feel like i'm i don't know I, I my play with him is sufficient i i don't feel comfortable bringing him to a tournament huh i don't know um so some more interesting list stats uh as far as the luke lists are concerned uh wonder twins was 26 and 17 so 26 wins yeah buddy points. um now part of that is uh, let's see what six, eleven of those wins are, um, you know, the three of the top six, 
<laughs> all all three of the um the rebel invites were wonder twins um so there's that um but there were also uh four players playing flyboys which is han and luke uh and they went collectively 11 and 6 so that's pretty good um one of those was nima who made the top cut uh nima nima ashti yeah props to him man i play with him locally he's a really good player he also yeah. made it with wookies yeah there were two Wookiees in the top cut, if yeah. I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. I, I think Flyboy is super underrated overall. I agree. I, yeah, I, I like it a lot. I need to play around with it more myself. Um, Same here. It just, it, Leia's just, it's ease of use and also the high risk, high reward that kind of drives me away from it. It's just that, you know, I just don't like taking the high risk, high reward route. I, I'm a very defensive, very much like, I like keeping all my command card effects. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. kind that's, of player. That's fair. It's definitely a less defensive, less consistent list than than one. Oh yeah, but it's really strong and splashy. It's very um, how do you call it, Timmy? Kind of like now you will die as Timmy, as I think Luke described it. Yep. I mean, you're gonna shred trooper units if you can get Han and Luke in there at the same time. Oh yeah, the the Han last first doing eight wounds to troopers is pretty dope when you only have like twenty five wounds of troops. Yeah, when you can make it work, it it's scary. It's real scary. All right. So next next nugget, um, list with Chewy, 20, 20 wins, twenty five losses. I mean, I'm willing to chalk that up to fifty fifty. Yeah, that's yeah. What, I mean, that, so that's the other caveat to this, besides the um, you know lies, damn lies, and statistics. Um, well, there's two caveats really. One is correlation and, and causation. Um, good players, generally speaking, you know, play well. So like. Are good players playing Wonder Twins or are Wonder Twins good because, you know, they're inherently good? I don't know. Um, but that's that's one that's one of the big caveats to like all of these win loss by list stats. The other one is just small sample sizes. Like 125 games is still in you know the statistical realm a very small sample size. So. Um, oh, I never gave you the cross faction win loss today. I don't know. I don't think so. Nope. All right. So, uh, twenty six rebel wins, twenty four empire mm. wins. Rebels hey, clearly better. Slight. Clearly, clearly. Better. clearly. So that that's uh fifty of the games were cross faction games, which I feel like is low. Actually, there were there were a ton of mirrors, um, for whatever reason. Yeah, half my games. No, the majority of my games were mirror. I had rebel, rebel, imperial, imperial, rebel. So it was three mirrors. And in the top 12 of the six uh, games, five of them were mirrors. So, um, Dang. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know that that's like this positive for that reason. Because um, one would expect a lot more cross-faction games out of 125 games than 50. But um, All right, so some Empire stats. Uh, we, already, we already did Palp 8 and 1, right? Yeah. Vader 15 and 20. Yeah. Um, Veers Boba, uh, 24 and 22. However, there's, there's a, a so I, I also broke this down by comms relay. Um, cause as we've actually, as, um, John Griffin talked about last week, um, it, it, it makes a, a big difference, um, in terms of the effectiveness of coordinated fire. At least I think we think so. And, uh, Mr. Griffin certainly thought so. So, um, I broke it down by comms relay, absence or presence of. 
Veers bubble lists with no comms relay went 10 and 14. Uh, with comms relay, they were 14 and 8. So, um, you know, take that however you want to take it. Eat it, Facebook. I mean, uh, I mean, like overall, like it's it's there's small sample sizes, you know. To say that yeah. comms relay decided, you know, those eight games difference or whatever, you know. Yeah, I, I, and um, you know, one of those players, obviously, with the fourteen and eight, was John Griffin himself. So five of those wins are yeah. his. Um, however, one of the one of the no comms relay guys was uh, uh, Douglas Crope. Uh, who was also five and zero? So, um, you know, there's a there's a couple ways to look at it. Uh, if you pull both of those guys out, you know, it's still what five and fourteen for no comms and nine and eight for with. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it still it still looks like relay would take it in terms of what you choose. I think if you if you were going to build a list based on these on this data, right? Well, and the question too, and I don't I don't. I don't know that we can answer this right now is like, is that because you're aim stacking by giving an order to viewers first, or is it because, you know, the primary weakness of the card is that you're giving orders to cores, core units and comms really gets around that and gives you, you know, a modicum of activation control. Yeah. There's a whole nother level we haven't addressed yet. Right. Um, so I don't like, I don't know that that's a, a causal thing necessarily. Well, I, um, what I will say is that, um, Notably, um, comms relay is literally unhelpful unless you're playing coordinated fire in that list. It doesn't work with any other command card. That's 100% true. (laughs) I mean, unless you're in like a weird situation where you need to like relay something out to range five and your comms relay squad happens to be range three of Veers and Boba's range five of Veers and they're like, but... And then it's only relevant for push. Yeah, speaking of, um, I also looked at all the command cards that people took. So the most the most popular command card uh, for both uh, for the entire tournament was Coordinated Fire. <laughs> um, 29 of uh, 34 umpire players took it. Um, the second most popular command card was Push. Um, 28 out of 34 umpire players took push. Only four rubble players took push. So, um, I think uh, part of that is evasive maneuvers is bad. You know? Yeah. And but pin down super narrow. Pin down is very narrow, although 10 people took pin down. Yeah. Bikes um, just became really unpopular too, so evasive, yeah. you know, left along with them. Right. Um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, and I think also like Empire runs a lot more single commander lists or rather single character lists. Uh, there were 11 of those. So obviously push is going to be in those by default. Um, there was only one, let me, let me see. I think there was only one rebel single character list. There was, no, there was at least two, I think. Uh, no, because the um, the guy you played last round was running Chewy too, right, Dave? Yeah, he was running Chewbacca and, and Leia. My last opponent, Jeff uh, Arnie, was playing solo Leia. Yeah, my, my okay. bad. There were four. Um, 
uh, and they didn't do very well. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that I, I don't know that the fact that there was so much push taken in uh, Empire List is super uninteresting. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, uh, I, the biggest takeaway here is that um, people like them some uh, Leo Organa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Coordinated Bombardment was the, the most popular Rebel card. Um, 20 people took that out of 28 Rebel players. So, I, And that's just natural, right? Snipers are everywhere. Coordinated Bombardment is like a really good answer. It's also just a great just the card. Fact that there was more Leia's than Luke's is a little bit startling to me. I don't, I don't know. I, she's cheaper. She's very flexible. She's a great value for the points. Sharpshooter 2 is brilliant. Pierce is brilliant. There's there's very little downside to taking Leia in your Luke list, I think. Here. I know, but still, <laughs> even if you... But, but that didn't discourage people from not running Luke, even if he was god tier. Right, but usually you're running Luke with Leia. Right, like, That's also true. I see... so. I mean, maybe you guys see this differently, but when, when you guys say Wonder Twins, I see a Luke list that has Leia in there as like a support character. Um, yes. Oh, yeah, totally. She's you know, a support and character. I don't know. Um, and maybe that's actually maybe a good thing to point out in that she tends to be a support character, so she's not, I guess, the staple. So she goes in the Han list, too, if you're not running Luke. Yeah, she goes. She's she's the veers of rebels, right? She if she's not your centerpiece, but she goes in most lists as as your support. And if if you're running some other thing like T forty sevens or RTs or something, then uh, um, you know you're putting her in there. So um, so we are running up against time. Um, obviously, we can talk about more data nuggets next time are, are there anything real quick you guys want to hit from some of these oh let's talk about bids real quick yeah we can do bids real fast um so most bids were seven or less uh there were obviously there were 62 bids um 58 of them were seven or less um so if you bid eight uh, you won your choice of, of blue or red player, basically. Um, most bids were, let's see, more than half the bids were three or less. Um, thoughts? I felt like three was the correct amount if you weren't running some kind of crazy skew. And if you really wanted blue player, I'm looking at the chart that the three-point bid beat out 28 lists. So that's a pretty nice place to be. To be a 797. Yeah, I mean, I think this chart is cool. I think that it's obsolete in three days. Yeah, I completely Yeah, agree 100%. Uh, Pathfinders <laughs> are going to skew this thing way far yeah, in the mean, other direction. Like, I, don't, I don't know how much. I don't think it's going to skew it nearly as much as key positions, but it's definitely going to skew it. The question is how much. I, I just, I mean, we definitely, like, it's, it's interesting to look at. I just, like... I don't know, <laughs> you know, like I, I think you're going to see this chart move plus five to the right. Yeah, I mean, I think and we'll talk we can talk about this in our infiltrate gen pathfinders episode, but um, I think you need you need one of two things. You need either a a plan to deal with gen and pathfinders 
if you lose the bid um, and recovers in that third slot, or you need to plan to win the bid. Um, one of those two things. So uh, I could actually see a little bit of a of a U-shaped yeah. chart on this for a depth down. Um, Likewise. You know, either you're you're doing no bid and you're coming with some kind of plan, whether that's whipcord or giving her your anger or whatever, uh, to deal with infiltrate, or you're you're just planning to win the bid. So I think it'll I think it'll be interesting, but I definitely agree that this is obsolete in three days. Box grab two, electric boogaloo, <laughs> the bid strikes back. Yeah. I mean we'll talk about how to deal with that uh once once they come out. Yeah, we can cover that in the intro episode. <laughs> well sweet. This yeah, was some awesome week. data. Yeah, there's there's a lot more that we can talk about next week, like you know which command cards people cut, um, which objectives. And you're uh, you're still synthesizing cards. this into an article, right? Uh, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, so go visit go visit SW Legion Odds to to get the full scoop we'll once out. All the data. It's it, we will. It's unlikely to be out by the time this episode is out. So don't. I mean, go there now and read stuff, but uh, don't expect yeah. it to be there. <laughs> always, always read. SW Legion odds always. Thanks for the the pump there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course. Sweet. So, do we want to go ahead and get Darth DePinto on here? Yeah. Let's uh, let's make it legal. Right. Sweet. Um, thanks, guys. We'll be right back with uh, Joe DePinto from. Uh, he's the second winner at LVO. We'll be right back. Welcome back, guys. Uh, we're here with uh, Joe DePinto. How you doing, man? How you guys doing? Good. Pretty well, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so we got some questions for you. Uh, who wants to start us off? So before we talk about LVO and all the fun things that you did at LVO, um, I just want to hit some background questions. What is your uh, like miniatures gaming background in general? So actually, not that not that big of a miniatures gaming background. I played a little bit of X Wing before Legion came out. Um, I basically dove in headfirst with Legion, and now I'm playing. Uh, I'm also playing like the Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones miniatures game, and also uh, the Lord of the Rings like Games Workshop game with some local people at the store. But I'm like ninety eight percent all in for legion but um before that i just i played like competitive video games for 20 years you know i'm i've raided in like top u.s guilds in like world of warcraft and in star wars the old republic and stuff and i went to a the chicago comic-con tournament uh for mortal Kombat x and performed pretty well for that but in terms of miniatures, like Legion basically is like my first one. You would be surprised at how many people we have uh, come on this show where we ask them like, you know, your handle, what is, what is that from? What's the origin of your handle? And they're like uh, world of Warcraft. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Played, played that game since like launch. Yeah. I feel you there. That's, that's where my handle comes from. As a prolific uh, Warcraft player as well for a good, for a good long time. Yeah, and like StarCraft, just like all the Blizzard games, you know. For sure. Like like the Blizzard generation practically. Yeah. <laughs> so so you say you're you're ninety eight percent on Legion right now. Um what what's um what's the biggest attraction that Legion has for you over some of the other miniatures games you play? Uh Star Wars. But also, I mean, 
like I've always just been like a hardcore Star Wars nerd ever since I was a little kid. I've collected figures and stuff throughout the years. So I just wanted to play like an awesome Star Wars game. I was like really intimidated by the painting, but I'm so happy that I like dove into that head first instead of commissioning people because I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it. And it's actually like a really fun hobby that I enjoy now. Um, but the game mechanics, I think, are really good. I like the back and forth um, turn order instead of like the GW style of everyone takes their turn and then waits. Or at least that's like how Lord of the Rings is with the priority and stuff. So that I, I like the back and forth, being able to respond, being able to play mind games with the command cards, stuff like that. It's really good. Awesome. So, uh, out of curiosity, I also played Lord of the Rings strategy battle game. Um, what uh, what faction do you play in that? Um, I'm playing Mordor primarily, but I'm also I also just like bought into uh, like Gondor and Rohan. Yeah. So I uh, I am a member of the DCHL DC Hobbit League. So shout out. To any of you guys, if uh, you're out there. Um, nice. We, yeah, we got the Chicago Hobbit League, too. And, like, one of the guys, Matt, he plays Legion with us at the store, but he, like, runs that league, too. So That's awesome. There's, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do any of those guys, like, tell us a little bit about your local scene in, in Chicago. For, I guess, Star Wars mainly, but uh, if you want to talk about Lord of the Rings a little bit, too, that's fine. Yeah, well, it's it's our scene's awesome. We have a we have a really huge community, especially when I've talked to like some of these other guys. I mean, we we average um, about twenty two players at GameStorm in Lamont. Um, we're calling ourselves our group collectively is calling ourselves the three hundred and twelfth Legion. So, shout outs to those guys. Um, right now collectively the group that comes and plays has four high command invites and um there was a couple of guys that couldn't make it out to vegas just because of the logistics of it but they're going to be playing at the last chance qualifier and i fully expect at least like two or three of them to possibly get invites one of them got he went like top eight and in um season one tabletop simulator so and he didn't go to vegas i think he's gonna probably end up getting an invite a lot of super good players super competitive some casual guys too but we have a good time i mean me and this guy jeff um we make all the terrain because we both have 3d printers um we have another guy who's really amazing at hobbying um He'll, he'll paint up some of the terrain for us. He also like is taking commissions to paint a bunch of people's miniatures. So yeah, it's, we're getting a really awesome turnout and like our guys are like really hardcore competitive guys. There's probably like six or seven of us are down to travel. So we went out to Michigan. We go out to Wisconsin sometimes and play in tournaments, Indiana, obviously vegas so i wouldn't be surprised if a couple of us ended up going to nova you guys should totally come to nova it's yeah awesome time that's what i've heard yeah that's that's our that's our uh, me and mike that's our home turf so awesome yeah we will be there definitely um so i just want to uh walk back a question uh, for a minute, uh, you you said you played video games for like twenty years. Does does anything um, from those translate strategy wise over to Legion? I think so. I think a lot of like so. Okay, 
playing World of Warcraft. Now, World of Warcraft is obviously like a really fast-paced game where you have to make decisions quickly. But because like for a few years I raided in like top 20 US guilds and that was like a big part of my gaming background for a while I think that helped me develop the ability to make like strategy decisions on the fly um like to like assess the board state and try to think about like what would be the most logical tactical move to make here um because I think like a lot of that stuff translates from video games you know now, I'm not saying, like, I'm always, like, super efficient at making decisions. That's That would be ridiculous to say. But I think I can, like, at least assess, like, the board state most of the time and try to think, like, eh, it's probably not good to walk these guys out here because they're just going to walk into a wall of dice or something, you know? All right, this is, this is a total tangent. Uh, what do you think of chess clocks in Legion? Um... I'm not opposed to it. Okay. Get out. I'm not opposed. Get out of my house. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to it, but I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. And I, there, there's definitely, there's definitely something to be said about people who deliberately slow play, but, and, and I, and I have said like, we've played a ton of tournaments. Okay. And usually both in our practice games on Thursday nights or in our like weekend tournaments, we do set a clock just to practice for, for like the major tournaments. And I don't finish six round games that often, you know, I either there's, there's a, a clear winner by turn four and someone just concedes or, I just I just don't see games always playing out to six rounds in that time limit consistently. So if if that was like a goal for the game where they always wanted people to go six rounds, maybe a chess clock would help fix that, but I don't know. Yeah, I want to get on my chess clock soapbox, but I'm I'm a big proponent of the game was meant to be six rounds long and um yeah. TOs yeah. need to do whatever it takes to make sure that goal is reached consistently. I've definitely seen games swing to what you would consider the losing player in that sixth round. Where you're like, you know, it's like it's like there's a clear winner at four, but if you play out to six, you might just lose to attrition. And I've seen that happen. I, I agree. There's been so many games where like it'll be turn four on recover the supplies and it you look you look screwed. Like, it's like, you're like, oh, man, like, I've lost this game. But you're like, okay, yep. I'm going to play it out. And turn six comes around and, like, you're able to make one of his dudes holding a box, you know, fall down and die because you, like, hit him with a pair of snipers. And, like, all of a sudden it's two to two, you know. and Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I agree. I, I've even seen that on, like, key positions where I'm like, okay, I have a ton of guys on two of the points in turn four. I'm probably fine. And then in turn six, I have like a unit leader and a unit leader touching the middle. And it's super wonky. And like it could have went either way. And you're just trying to like dodge and hope that you can like live long enough to still hold that. And it can swing. Yeah, I think the most fun Legion moments actually occur like in rounds five and six typically. Totally. Yeah. Turns one through four, I feel like at least between competitive players are somewhat scripted. You know, it's yeah. attrition and positioning battle. Um, yep. But it's like turns five and six where those crazy like 
holy crap, do you remember that thing that happened? Uh, that's when those moments happen. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk about LVO. Um, how was LVO? That was great. Absolutely loved it. Um, first time going to Vegas, so that was fun. Uh, did some other stuff, hit some restaurants and stuff, like outside of the tournament, so the trip was great. But the actual tournament itself, uh, excellent. LJ and crew did a phenomenal job. The tables were great um i i think it went really smoothly the prize support was amazing every single game that i played my opponent was really cool um it seemed like that was the general status of the tables around me from what i was overhearing um the first table i played on i wasn't a huge fan of it was like the mustafar table and it had like a lot of lava pits on it. And we didn't realize until after we deployed and started the first round that according to the defined terrain card, all the lava pits were like impassable. And to, and you would need to take like the climb check to get over them, you know. And we played key positions on the – and the piece of – terrain in the center was surrounded basically by a giant lava pool so we're like oh th this is uh we weren't expecting that but we decided like hey that's what the rules are we're just going to play it out um i think it kind of frustrated both of us but it was cool i mean aesthetically it looked good um i wasn't used to that you know having to having to like gamble on moving into that middle position so yeah so we actually um if uh you or anyone else has feedback on the lvo tables like on specific tables we, um we definitely want to hear that uh you could send those like to me or um you know lj or brendan uh, just because those are going to be many of the same tables that end up getting used for adepticon so um yeah to the extent that we can like address some of those playability concerns in advance um you know obviously we want to hear about that stuff so yeah i mean it I think the table was fine. I, I would maybe put one slightly larger piece of rock on the middle, but there was that. And then I, I didn't play on the X-Wing table. I heard about the X-Wing <laughs> table. I saw the X-Wing table. I would say that as a Palpatine player, I'm so happy I didn't play on that because my first two turns hinge on line of sight blocking terrain. Like yeah, I, that, that was you not, know <laughs> that was that was not the best table. Yeah, uh, that, it, as we it looked up, awesome, but yeah, as like, we were setting up, we were both Brennan and I were like, eh, "This is not going to be a fun table." But I, th um, you know, I was I was thinking about it later, and I was like, you know, I guess if you put a barricade on top of an X-wing, you could have made it block line of sight, and that might have been a fix. Yeah, it's a little weird though because you can actually also see like underneath the X-wings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's basically no line of sight blocking terrain on that table except for that one, uh, you know, like crane in the center. But I think obviously we're, um, you know, we listen to feedback from LBO. So yeah. Um. But yeah, that was great. Though my third game, I had to play Rick, and I was a little bummed out by that because he's a local guy. Um, so I was like, ah, one of us have to eliminate each other basically here. But I would say, honestly, that was the most difficult game I had to play with my list. Um, because he, he ran three ATRTs with rotaries 
five rebel trooper units, all five of them had repair droids, Luke and triple saps. <laughs> yeah, and and we played yeah we played key positions and like his sabs were just they harassed the one that was near my deployment so much that i, I had to like overcommit to deal with them and i could not touch his rotary cannons like i ended up winning but it was so close if, if we would have played one more round i probably would have lost um i i knew i was like i can't shoot at these rts because they're just gonna get healed you know, so it's like it was that was a difficult game like I, that. That would be one of my things if people are like I've had a lot of people say, how do I beat your list? Because I can't figure it out. Play rotary cannons like surge to crit crit Palpatine. That's that's how you that's how you beat them. That's the only way I think. Yeah, but, I'm pretty. I'm pretty uh, Rick's an interesting guy. I met him. I enjoyed meeting him at LDO. Um, I'm pretty excited to see what he brings to Adepticon because he um, he qualified at Michigan GT with also yeah. with list. So let me uh, let me tell you a little like funny tidbit about that. So I went to Michigan as well, and I went two and one. My one my one loss was to Rick pre errata KP, and I was red player. Oh God. <laughs> I, t- I took a I took a I took a 784 point list. And I thought locally that was like unheard of. So I'm like, I'm taking this big bid because I just don't want to auto lose KP red player. He comes up. He's like, I'm 780. I'm like, oh, my God. He flips his cards far right key positions. I, oh, literally just, wow. I was like, I was like, dude, I lose. I literally like shook his hand like on turn it, zero. I mean, his, his so, list that tournament was also like doubled down on it and that you had to walk through a minefield to get there. exactly exactly so all i did was i was just like trying to slowly walk at him and just getting super suppressed out and like it it was it was an impossible situation for me so it was like it was like all right so kp red player auto lose i know the stats from invader league i know that like no one won red player kp that whole time that card needed to be fixed come back to lvo all five of my games our KP, all five of my games, I'm red player. I go 5-0. Wait, you played five games of key positions? Five games of KP. Wow. Don't play KP against Palpatine. Yeah, I would. I was assuming you volunteered for that because of the I, one pep. <laughs> absolutely. I So I want to, my list wants to play intercept and KP. Yeah. I, I want red player. I actually on this, I, I played a tournament locally. Um, this weekend, I won it. Same list. Um, all of those games were either KP or intercept. At one point, my bid matched my opponent because I, I'm I have no bid. It's seven ninety nine. My opponent had seven ninety nine. He's playing rebels. He rolls the red, determines that I get to make the choice. I conceded blue player to him. I said take it because I want last veto. And I want to, I'm like trying to dance around, hopefully getting those two objectives. Now, is it mandatory? No. Um, but it's, it's an uphill battle for my opponent if they're not playing Palpatine and we're playing one of those two yeah, games. That's fair. That's, it's just how it is. It's, oh yeah. If I'm, if I'm across the table from Palpatine, I'm vetoing both of those cards if I can. Yeah. My worst game is probably breakthrough, especially if it's long march. <laughs> yeah. Um it's like <laughs> I can't really win that. So 
It's funny, as a Rebel player in Fear of Palpatine, I, I took Battle Lines out of my list and I actually went for exactly that. Breakthrough yeah. Long March is blue because it would force them to walk into my gun line. It's it's really, yeah, that's, that's almost an auto-lose for me. So... Yeah, so um, let's let's talk about your preparation for LVO. Um, uh, up until like in the, in the weeks running up to it, what made you kind of land on Palpatine? What what were some of the things going through your head in in regards to what the list you brought kind of brought to the table? All right, so straight up, here's the truth: Palpatine's my favorite character in the Star Wars canon. I don't know why. But ever since I was like a little kid, I loved Return of the Jedi and I loved that like ending scene. And he's just like such an awesome villain. So I, when when they announced him, I was like, all right, I, I, I want to find a way to make him work. And when I saw what he did, I was like, all right, I think I can I can build like an interesting list around his play style. I think pull the strings is so good. Um, so. I messed around with it ever since the first spoiler came out. I started playing him on tabletop simulator against my friends. Um, I was trying the, I was trying skew lists like pulp Vader. I tried a six activation and a seven activation. Um, I have to travel a lot for work. So one of my trips that I had to make earlier this year was to LA. And so I messaged LJ and Nick Freeman before I, like I already knew I bought an LVO ticket, but Palpatine wasn't out yet, but his spoiler article was out. So I messaged both of them and I was like, Hey, do you guys want to get games in while I'm out here? And I just want to throw some like janky skew lists at you to see, like, I know you guys are really good players. If I can like compete with these skews or if I should just completely eliminate them from, from consideration for LVO. So I threw at Nick a seven activation pulp Vader and he shot Vader off the board and like turn one or two. And then I was like, all right, so that list is not competitive. Like there's no way. And then um, at LJ, I threw pulp four Royal guards. And again, not super effective because it's like you're over committing. You got to run three man versions of them. They're pr they're not doing anything until they're in range two, so they just kind of die. Um, so I was like, all right, well that was my test scenario. I'm not playing those skews, so now I need to build like a more like well rounded list around Palpatine. And I probably played about forty games locally and on TTS before I landed on this list and I was running a 10 activation Palpatine and I was constantly switching between triple sabs and triple snipers. I had an E-Web in there. I had one Royal Guard. Um, got a t I, I basically lost one game out of those like 40 like and it was to John Griffin actually and it was on points we like tied and it went to points but I was like okay so this is the list but then when I was thinking about it I was like I think Pulp just gets infinitely better with medics and I was really pissed that they didn't you know like release their article ever because I was hinging or like whether I would bring two or three medics around what their point cost would be so I finally, you know, the article came out. I tried triple medic. I felt like it was 
I lost too much firepower, so I went to double medic, refined it, probably played like eight or ten games with the list I brought to LVO before LVO, and I was just like, this, it's pretty solid. I mean, Palpatine's almost unkillable. Um, Royal Guards are linebackers. They're guardian. They're a source of guardian. They're super powerful in melee. They tie up those like units that need to be tied up. Um, Snowtroopers are gross. Especially when you can bring him back. Like, I spend my first... I, I Basically, so I run two medics. I save their second charge for my pulp bomb turn. I use their first charge to either restore royal guards or restore flamethrowers if I lose them to attrition. And I just... I'm usually pulling the strings on snowtroopers or royal guards. That's, you know, that's pretty much it. It's just like you get a ton of value out of that. Uh, so, in in regards to pull the strings... Um, how often do you use it? Do you, um, like, is it an every turn thing? Is it only when the Royal Guard and the, like, snowtroopers are in, like, a specific position? How, how do you, how do you deal with that? It's, it's not every turn, but it, it is probably 80% of the turns. So my play is turn one and two. I'm probably going to use it. I'm also going to try to hide Palpatine. I don't want Palpatine to just get randomly shot at. I don't want him to get bombarded. Um, he's going to hide. He's usually going to move once and pull the strings for like turn one and two. Turn three, most of the time, it's like a dov- double move into a setup for turn four. And I'll like last first him. Sometimes... That I have to sit him back one extra turn and then maybe turn four is a double move into a setup for turn five. But it's usually I'm just trying to like force my opponent to not have shots on him early. Um, and then I'm just pulling the strings or, with the rest of the army around him. Um, and then I go for that big move into the like bomb. It's usually how it goes. All right, so um, do you have like a crib notes version of a like crib notes style guide to Palpatine for for people who haven't played him or are new to the game? Uh yeah. Okay, couple of tips. Um, I know it's tempting to play your two pip on turn one, but don't. Um, that card is too good to waste for four suppression tokens on like a fleet trooper. I- I've I've heard the stories of like oh I I put it on Han and he panicked off the board and like turn two or whatever, yeah, that can happen. But I I don't think that's like worth it. Um, the two pip is a lot better. Like when for example, you want to put it on Luke and force him to go first on a turn where he does not want to go first, or you know there, there's like so many other interesting uses of that i think it kind of takes a little bit of like high level thought to get the hang of it but it's not the suppression is to me is a bonus it's not the use of that card um i like to play entire legion on turn one like 90 percent of the time if not more because i want activation control i want to lose priority typically because i'm at nine activations and i want to force you to go first um when i play that single sniper in my list i try to hide them behind line of sight blocking terrain um 
Palpatine, it his his wounds are his are, are like is they're everything. So you want to make sure that you are hiding him for the early part of the game. You don't want to like have him take unnecessary shots, take unnecessary wounds early, or you completely devalue everything he's trying to do. Um, most of the time, like your games will be won because Palpatine like isn't dead. You know, if you if he dies, you probably played him wrong, or your opponent just like overcommitted and you had some bad luck on your saves. But he he really like he's to play against him. I think you need to like shoot everything else around him and not shoot at him, and like just kind of try to outrange his his one pip if you can. Or crit him, you know. Surge to crit is really good. There's certain units in the game that are really effective at shooting at Palpatine. But like the rotary ATRT, for example. Yep, rotary ATRT for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, are there any changes you'd make to your list after playing at LVO? So with every model that's currently released right now, no. Um, in the future definitely open to it i'm trying to see it i i want this the death trooper spoiler to come out because i want to see if i can um actually manage to fit one of them in depending on what they do and i'm i'm gonna experiment with the eight activation list because right now i can either go for a 10 activation list with like triple stabs or triple snipers or i can cut it down to eight and get some even stronger units in there but i i'm worried that eight is not enough We'll, we'll have to see. I'm going to have to play test it. Um, I don't think Bosk is going to be good in a Palpatine list. I was already kind of messing around with it. And I I think he's really good, but just not with Palpatine. Really? Uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I, I got to play test it more and I got to see what his other cards are. But I just, I find it really hard to believe that shooting that gun twice a turn is not good. No, it, it it could be. I just think it's. I think he's too expensive. Like I, I I still. It's like you have to you have to maybe pull that royal guard out of your list. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I don't know, or shrink him down to like a three man squad or something. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see. Yeah, that that's an option that I never really considered. Um, is running the three man. But I. I think everything else in the list serves a very specific purpose that I don't really want to cut them, you know? So that's fair. Yeah. We'll see. I'm going to play test it for sure though. Yeah, I just did pelt Bosk. I don't know. Seems, seems sick. I, I, I can see how it would be good if you're trying to fish out that bounty and then like hide him or something, but he's really fragile. I feel like people are underestimating how fragile he is, and I think they're overvaluing his regeneratability. Like it's it's good, but it's not yeah, that that's good. Really and he's he you know he rolls chewy saves, so he he just kind of dies. If 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 your opponent wants to commit to his death, he's probably gone in one. Unless turn. you got those IRG standing next to him. True, true. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll have to see how it plays out, but I, I'm excited about the model. I still think, though, that, like, Bosk Boba is going to be awesome with, like, Krennic or Veers. Uh, double Bounty. Yeah, it's Yeah, good. I could see Double Bounty being pretty extreme. 
the, the challenge with a list like that is the same as the Super Friends challenge, which is whose command cards do you take? Oh, absolutely. That's a fair point. Um, well, so you are obviously going to Adepticon because you won an yep. invite, right? Yep. Um, and you are from the Chicago area, so that's not even a travel <laughs> situation for you. Right. Lucky yeah. you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, we will definitely look forward to seeing you there. We are all going. So. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that was the other thing I want to throw out real quick, like just a quick plug to the group. And like, so we have a lot of tables. If you guys want to come early and practice, um, hit us up. 312 Legion or just like message any of us. And if you guys are looking for, if there's guys out there looking for places to stay, I think a couple of us have extra rooms and stuff. So you know, I know that some people are having a difficult time with their travel plans. So just like get a hold of us early and, you know, we're out here. So you heard it here first 312 uh, Legion yeah, BNB. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I was actually thinking about today. I'm like, not that we're necessarily going to have time, but if we get there early, um, is there a Power Nine equivalent in Chicago? And it seems clearly like. Um, yeah. But... Game Storm, Lamont, Illinois. Yep. Absolutely. Come on out. All right, awesome. Well, looking forward to uh, to seeing you again at Adepticon, and uh, good luck in your prep games. Thanks, you guys too. I appreciate you having me on yeah, here. Thanks for coming yeah, on. Of course. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, no problem. So that was our interview with Joe DePinto. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, he had a lot of good nuggets on uh, talking about Palpatine and how to interact with um, your opponents and stuff. Um, so I think, are we going to hit pathfinders and gin next week and infiltrate and all that shenanigans is that the plan um possibly we can we can uh we might need a little more prep for that episode but we'll see okay so that's either next week or the week after yep yeah we're also not done with lvo data no for sure we definitely are not yep um so sweet uh you guys got anything else you want to talk about today uh nope no man let's wrap it up all right well thanks for listening to notorious scoundrels guys uh i'm dash i'm kyle i'm david (laughs) slash endless have a good one guys join us next time for another edition of the notorious scoundrels podcast this has been a fifth trooper production